Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got CrashPlan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. CrashPlan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the podcast, we have two of our good friends and product-based business gurus. At least that's what we're dubbing them. First up is our friend, Rachel Aline. Actually, that's not her real last name. That's her middle name, but that's her business name. You'll learn more about that later on. But I met Rachel literally years ago at a creative entrepreneur conference, stayed friends, felt like I was there from the very beginning of her business and watch as she grew her hand calligraphy business into what it is today. And Mm -hmm. she makes all kinds of products, but they're not necessarily handmade. They're hand lettered, but not handmade. And so we're comparing and contrasting with your Mm -hmm. friend, uh, Mia. My friend Mia's on the show. Again, I'm so excited for you guys to hear from her. I love how her marketing and business brain works. So we get to hear a little bit more about it today. And she does polymer clay and she also sells cutters for polymer clay makers like myself. So she kind of has two different business models. And so today we're breaking down a deliberate sellout restock model strategy and the mentality that goes behind that why it works, why it's hard sometimes, who it's right for, the pros and cons of having it not only for you as the maker, the seller, but also for your customer. And we get to kind of hear about the journey that Rachel and Mia have gone on and the slight tweaks and changes they've done to their selling mechanisms and strategies and marketing in order to please more people, but also not to like go absolutely insane with all of their products. So I think this roundtable discussion will give you guys some really good insight into the product world. You guys have asked for more product content, so we're bringing it to you. And it's coming from two really, really smart ladies. And I'm super excited for you guys to dive into this one. I am so excited to have two of my very, very good product baby friends on the podcast today. So your ears will hear four different voices today. So try to keep up. (laughs) It's me and Abby. We have Rachel and we have Mia. You guys want to say hi real quick? Hi, I'm Rachel. Hey, I'm Mia. You'll be able to understand their voices as they continue chatting because Mia's accent is beautiful and amazing, and you will definitely pick up her inflection as she shares more today. For all of our product babies, you guys have been asking us for more product content, and we're giving it to you, and I'm so excited. We've chatted with both of these ladies before, but one of the topics that came up last year that I really just wanted to have, honestly, for my own strategy benefit too, to hear like the pros and cons from their take. Rachel will share a little bit more about her, but she's been in business longer than both Mia and I have selling physical products. And so I'm so honored and excited to have Rachel on the show to to share a little bit more seasoned experience. But Mia has been kicking butt all of last year, celebrating a year in her physical 
physical product business as well. And you guys know, hopefully you know, I have my shop also. So today we are talking all about launching and restocks and selling out and the intention behind having a sellout restock model and the ways that both Mia and Rachel have used this model to start, grow their businesses and the tweaks that they've made to this model throughout selling their products because there's definitely pros and cons, which we're going to go over. But I'm a big fan of the sellout restock model. And I feel like Mia has definitely some opinions to add to the conversation because what I feel like happens in the product world, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rachel, if you've heard this in your space, but Mia and I know that in the handmade space, a lot of makers really, really, who are educators, push other makers to not have a sellout model and not rely on that because it's it's harder and it's quote unquote not sustainable. And there are some makers out there who've even like, you don't have a real business if you're only selling out and your goal, if you're always selling out, like you're not doing it right. I feel like me and I have had some private conversations about that where like that doesn't feel good or fun. And if sellout models feel good and fun for you, then I want you to use this podcast as an example of some of the things that you could do and some lessons that you can take into your own business to do them right or wrong. Right? Are we cool with that? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So Rachel, I want to start with you. Tell us a little bit about what you sell, how long you've been in business and how your current launch strategy is right now. I'm Rachel and I have a hand lettered business. So I do a bunch of hand lettered designs and then I put them on a bunch of different products. So I do not actually hand make the physical products that I sell, but I hand letter the designs that go on them which means that I can produce a lot more products than like Emily or Mia can do when they're making handmade products, um, yeah. which is a blessing in some ways, mm -hmm. in many ways. So I do like most, which is crazy to me, but most of my products are mugs. I sell a lot of mugs and then I do apparel, cards, a lot of other just things that people want to buy, water bottles, wine glasses, but it all started with mugs. That's kind of like my first love and still my best seller. Yeah. Most revenue comes from those. Tell me a little bit more about what the model looked like when you first started versus what it's looking like now. Yeah. When I first started, I mean, I, I have a lot more variety now than when I first started. I, it was for me, my start was a lot slower than I think both Emily and me. I think you guys kind of both boomed, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do feel like that's what I've seen from your shops. Mine was a little bit slower when I did have my boom. It kind of naturally created the sellout model and I kind of just ran with it. But before that, I had really no strategy. Like I would be working. And I'd be like, Oh, that sounds like a cute mug. I think I'll make that. And I'd order it. And then I'd like put it in the shop and be like, this new mug's in the shop. And then, you know, two weeks later, I would do the same thing. Yeah. And there was no real traction or strategy behind it. It was just making products, putting them in the shop when I felt like it. And then I started to notice what shop owners were doing. And it was like, Oh, there's actually strategy to this. So that and I can go into that maybe later if you want me to talk about how I switched my strategy. But initially, there really wasn't a strategy. It was just kind of flying by the seat of my pants doing what I felt like doing. Yeah, I definitely want to get back to that because I think that that's true for a lot of our listeners. But I want to hear from you, Mia. Same kind of thing. What do you sell? What's your current restock model if it's different than how you did it when you first launched? So I actually have like two different markets. But 
One of my markets is, of course, to normal people, people who wear earrings, use home goods, whatever. And then I have another account in which I sell almost completely to people who make my products. So polymer clay earrings, polymer clay products. And I actually have two different selling models because that's what works best for me. So when I started, I just had polymer clay earrings and I had no strategy, just like Rachel. And I really just posted really bad products on my Instagram page. I had no shop and I just said comment salt and it worked. I mean, we're here. So it worked for a while. And then I never, a lot of people switch over to Etsy and then work their way up and then they get a website. And then I sold on Instagram forever. And then my husband surprised me with a website one day. And since then I've done like the sellout model, but I've had a few different ideas that I've done once or twice. Other than that, it's been completely sellout model and very much scarcity model. And then with my other brand, I've kind of kept an equal mix between, I've actually had what I've called no sellout restocks. So I've gotten some pretty mean messages. Like if you can't keep this in stock, like don't sell it. You're not doing your job. And I was like, okay, well, if you want to give me your money, you can give me your money. So we're going to have no sellout restocks. But the lead time on those is like three weeks. And so I've got to get all the orders in and then finish them. And then you have people mad about like your processing time is way too long. So I can't make everyone happy, but I've seen how both models work in two types of businesses because Mm -hmm. one of them is completely made by my hands and the other is made by 3D printers. So I really like seeing how they're different and how they both work with different products. Well, I think the thing that I've noticed that you both have in common and I, the people I see who are being successful with these, I want to say smaller batch, but it ends up like expanding. Like I've watched Emily when she first started her business, she'd be like, I made 20 pairs and now my hands are going to fall off and I can't keep doing this and blah. And now she's like, and I sold like 500 pairs last weekend. I'm like, you lost your literal mind, but okay. So I know it scales, but I think the thing I see in common between all of the above is that you tend to, rather than having, okay, I'm a retail shop, I have this set kind of merchandise that's available all the time, you get it when you get it, whatever, you kind of have created a launch schedule for yourself. You know, I wouldn't say it's always the craziest it's not always super predictable, but I know for Rachel, it, it like tends to line up with holidays and follow a more traditional retail season pattern. Um, with you guys, with the handmade, it's maybe monthly or biweekly, and people tend to like notice what the patterns are and pay attention to what that ends up doing. But how has launching with a seasonality to it affected how you stock your business, Rachel? I, so I will always have like seasonal launches. I mean, right now I can just be totally frank of my launch schedule. I always do a January launch and then I do a spring, summer, fall and winter or holiday is my October one is for holiday. So those always are going to have certain holidays in them. So for example, like my spring launch, which is in March, I will always have Mother's Day products in that. And so I always look ahead of like, 
the upcoming holidays. But at the same time, I have found over years that people still want non-seasonal products throughout the year. So maybe I have to go back a little bit and explain. I did have like a sellout model and I was selling out of everything. And that worked really well for me for a long time. And then it, then I started getting very frustrated customers because they wanted a mug that everyone wanted. And so I have had to kind of split it where there is sellout and then there's going to be mugs that like I'm almost always going to keep in stock because people come across me from someone tagging them and they're like, I really want that mug. And I have chosen to kind of have like my best sellers that always stay in stock. So I don't think I'm really yeah. answering. How long did it take you to get to that point of realizing these are my best sellers, I'm going to have them in stock? I would say at least a year, maybe a little bit more, but at least a year. I think it took me a year and maybe this is going a different direction, but it took me a year to train my audience, to train them into, I always tell my students that I teach, like you are the teacher of your customers. And so it's your responsibility to teach them what to expect of you and what their action needs to be. Yeah. So I tried from when my business kind of boomed to all of a sudden take that as a responsibility of like, I need to train my customers that they can't just wait around whenever they feel like they want to purchase, that there are things that are here for a time and they're not going to come back. And that just is what it is. People get frustrated and that's just what it's going to be. So because I did that and I spent like a year really building that up, letting them learn their lesson, I guess, Mm -hmm. that created very fast purchasers. And now I have like a community of people who like have their strategy of how they're going to get my products before anybody else, which is so funny. And I love it. And it's so fun. But I do think it took about a year to figure out like, okay, I need to have that for some products, like more of the seasonal ones. I feel like I really focus on that. And then I have my products that I know, like these are going to be long lasting products that people will want at any point in the year. And so for me, I think it's different with like earrings, Emily, most of those can be worn year round, but like I'll have, you know, like a Valentine's Day mug or like Christmas mug. People aren't going to want that all year. But then like my number one bestseller of all time is a mug that says these are the days. And so I've kind of decided like that's always going to be in the shop most likely. But what I have chosen to do is I let it sell out often. And then I get people to sign up for like the restock emails to be notified. And I kind of create that scarcity again. And then I'm like, oh, we decided to restock it. And I'm never going to really, I mean, if you're my customer and you're listening to this, you'll get it back in the back of my brain right now. But I kind of let that happen every once in a while to like kind of remind people of like, remember, you can't just sit around and you can't just get whatever you want from me whenever you want it. Because in a way, like I'm in control. It's kind of weird. It also teaches you what to keep restocking. Maybe one of those months will go out of style eventually. And if it doesn't sell out or not enough people get on that wait list, then maybe that's something that you don't reorder and have in stock forever. Yeah. And that does help me. I will often, it surprises me like, oh, I never thought that mug would get a hundred signups for a restock, but I guess people want it. I didn't think they would. And so I'm always still learning about what my customers want. And so letting things sell out always helps me learn even more about what people want. Yeah. 
Mia, how have you, are you starting to do something similar where you're going to have styles always available? I know you've asked the question on your Instagram to kind of chat with your audience again to get them training. And I feel like in that mentality, again, everything we do on marketing is to teach our customers what we're going to be doing and how they need to be acting. Is that something that you're actually pursuing? And how are you going to handle that? Yes. So I have very strategically like grown my audience in a year, but I've had probably 4,000 new people join my community, follow me, whatever, in the last month. They're people who I haven't had a chance to train to know my product or to know how I do it, to know my rhythm of making. And they don't understand that it's a scarcity market. It's get there or don't. And I've also heard so much. It's been drilled into my brain. Like you said, like people in the community say that you don't have a real business unless it's not mm-hmm. so out, which I completely disagree. Um, I but agree. I do believe that there are two types of shoppers and one of them will get there at launch time, exactly refresh, buy it, buy yeah. five different things, go back, buy more. And they know you and that's shopper top one. And then shopper top two is people who want to leisurely scroll and write down and compare and maybe decide to get this for Brenda's birthday next month and blah, 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 blah. So I think there's two types of shoppers, but people talk about sustainability of business. And like, if your business will last, my business won't last without me. And it is not sustainable for me to be packing orders every single day and to not have launches. So I've decided to be on a rhythm, especially since I'm going back to school and that I can't control the times on that, but I can't control like times with my business. So I will be launching a basics collection, my best sellers in very neutral tones, plain colors that don't take me like four days to finish. Mm-hmm. And then I've decided that I will stock those on a schedule and ship those one day a week. So that's more sustainable for me and for my audience ultimately. Well, I think it's funny that anyone has the audacity to say that that model isn't sustainable with growth because I mean, I've watched you and more of our friends do it and businesses can scale. Like you have to figure out your internal systems to make it doable and you have to maybe hire backup to help with shipping or whatever, but I've watched it happen. But I've also watched it happen with brands that I followed when they were like little baby brands Mm -hmm. and now they have like warehouses full of products and yet they are still running a scarcity based business. I mean, if you need baby wrap, baby wrap, Mm -hmm. nugget couches, letter fault. It's a cult. But it's a cult. (laughs) There are people running these businesses, especially I'm not saying that anyone niche is better than the other, but I swear that some of those ones that target young moms, I don't know what it is about young mom-based businesses that they gobble it up. Crazy. But mm-hmm. I know that at scale it is possible. I'd love to hear from you, Rachel, how you kind of transitioned. You had a model where it was like, okay, when it's out, it's out. Now you're restocking. Now you're maybe you purchase a certain amount, but you're not hesitant to go back and add several hundred more or whatever. How are you even managing that? Because I, as someone who has always, when I've sold products, it's always been, there really isn't a limit or I'm not in control of stock. 
Right. Like we're going to sell out of the digital How do you even decide what to reorder? I would be sitting here being like, man, no, let's just press some buttons. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And I am constantly still figuring it out. So I'm not, I do not feel like I have it all figured out, but I do do a survey every year. And that helps me. I always ask people like, what's your favorite product in the shop? What's your favorite type of products from the shop? So for me, I have, you know, like apparel, cards, mugs. Mugs is always the number one. And then I constantly do like just little polls on Instagram. And I feel like I have just created a business where market research is a consistent part of my marketing in a way. Like my marketing strategy is constantly gaining market research about my customers. And so that has slowly just helped me know my customer. I know like if you know anything about business, it's know your ideal customer, give her a name and know her interests. And so I feel like I've done that for five years. I've like figured out who these people are. Not to say I'm not surprised. I'm always surprised. Almost every launch, I'm shocked by which mug sells out. Or which one sells more, which one didn't sell at all. Like I had this adorable Christmas mug. I thought it was my all-time favorite out of all 12 mugs. And it was like the least selling mug out of all of them. And I was so disappointed. (laughs) But it's fine. I am still learning. But I do go off of numbers too. You know, like I look at revenue of like which mug brought in the most revenue this year. And for the last two years, it's been my these are the days mugs. So I'm still going to keep stocking that until I start to see those numbers decrease. So I always also strategy, I often at this point will do smaller restocks. Mm. So I'm not going to buy like 150 of that mug. Maybe I'll buy like 50. And so that if it doesn't sell out, it's not such of a risk for Mm -hmm. me. And then that also creates a scarcity. It'll sell out faster. So it'll be low in stock faster. So it continues to build that thought into my customers of like, oh yeah, things don't last really long in Rachel's Mm -hmm. shop. So like, I I want that mug for Brenda's birthday next month. And so I'm going to get it now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and something I've seen you do and and a couple other people, even in, in the handmade clay world have done this recently where they'll do their normal restock. And I can tell it's smaller than what they've done in the past. And the first one to three styles that sell out, they'll immediately open up pre-orders like by that evening or the next day and then work on those styles. And I feel like that's very similar to what you've done where, okay, if this mug sold out, sold out super fast or these wine glasses or whatever, by that end of that week, you're going to announce and open up pre-orders for that thing. Has that been something that's been working for you and you like? Yeah, I've done that pretty much since the beginning of my boom which everyone who's listening, when I say boom, I'm doing quotes. I'm not <laughs> trying to. That's so successful. <laughs> well, when did that happen? Just for context. It was in business, but. Yeah, it was end of 2017. Okay. But in comparison to now, it like pales in comparison to no, my sales sure. now. But sure. for me, it was my boom. It was like. Yeah. It took like, oh, years, years and then it kind of took off. And since yeah. then you've seen growth. Yeah. Yes. Consistent growth. Yes. Since that little boom in July, not July, end of 2017, I started to do pre-orders out of necessity. It was like, oh my gosh, okay, people want this. I'm going to, I'm just going to put on pre-orders so I can get their money. Yeah. And then 
it started to become part of my strategy of like, okay, I'll let it sell out. And then I'll give people a little bit of time to like be upset that they didn't get their mug. And then I'll give them that opportunity to buy it. And then I do feel like, and I don't love it. I've had situations where like half of my products are in pre-order and I don't love that Yeah. because I do feel like sometimes when people come across your shop, for me on launch days, I always gain a huge new amount of customers. And so they're seeing my products for the first time. In some ways for some customers, it is frustrating to find a shop and then you go to their website and it's like everything's sold out Yeah, or it's on pre-order. Like I get that frustration, but it is what it is. We all run this business and it works for us. So yeah, whatever. But so I don't want all my products to be on pre-order. So I will do some of them. That's kind of always a part of my strategy. I will say I am trying to change this a little bit this last year especially with COVID, which made it hard is so many products that I ordered. Then I ordered like my normal amount, but I knew like, I know I'm going to have to restock these on launch day, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to order double what I normally would because I want to continue having that scarcity. But then it kind of screwed me over because so many products then couldn't get restocked. So my team is always like, Rachel, just order more mugs. You're going to sell them. Just order them. But it's It's hard hard. to let go of that. Well, this is a scarcity. And I don't want people to just know like, oh, she ordered 500 mugs. Like it'll be there later. Right. So I definitely feel like I'm still order them. Don't tell them. (laughs) I was like, could you order double, but only look at this mug of half and then wait. I don't know. I just feel like there's ways around it. (laughs) I'm trying to figure that out. Yeah. Well, sure. And I know as a consumer, I'm like your guys' least favorite consumer. I am the one (laughs) that like stocks the pages i like all the shit i comment on all the shit i and love it don't all. buy anything <laughs> i don't buy anything and it's not that i don't want it you guys it's not that i don't want it i can't make decisions i don't know how to spend money but you know i will say is this if you want a secret to my brain because i am like your biggest fan and i will share your shit until the day i die and probably buy from you three times but <laughs> I will say one thing that has worked for me recently is I am a big fan of the get notified when it comes back mentality because Mm -hmm. I'm the one that waited so long that I'm like kicking myself that I didn't want it. And I, I just did this recently. I wanted these it's from Target, so I'm terrible. I'm sending my wow. mind store. I know, I know, I know. But I wanted these chairs. I wanted them for like two months, and I would check them all the time. I still had the notify me thing on, but I would still check that mm-hmm. often. But what ended up happening was I got notified. I checked out in five seconds. I didn't even think about it. I just did yeah. the thing. And I'm like, I think... Not that I have any tips to add because I didn't. I don't run your businesses. Some of your best sellers do go out, or maybe you are entertaining bringing certain things back. I don't know. The notify me thing worked. Yeah, for my my lazy I mean, self. Isn't there a quote that's like, "You don't want something until you can't have it." Mm-hmm. That's why this works because mm-hmm. people all of a sudden are like, "That mug's super cute," and then it's gone, and they're and like, like, "Everyone likes it. it. Everyone wants um, what everyone else has." And that's another part of my strategy is 
I try to convince people like everybody's buying for me. So mm-hmm. why would you want to be the one that's not doing it? That's don't be the like, <laughs> marketing brain I'm trying to create in them. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Get unparalleled access to job seekers with over 350 million unique monthly visitors globally, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. I feel like when we're in the conversation of there are different shoppers, I think for some people having something always available, just like, isn't there, it's not my style. I don't like it. I will probably eventually do it because it's smart. And when I have a little bit bigger of growth and boom, it will make sense right now. It doesn't, I don't feel ready for it and it doesn't sound fun to me. So I'm not going to do it. 
But what does sound fun and has been fun and definitely serves a different kind of shopper are subscription boxes. And so I know that you two both have done mystery boxes in a way. And it's like a one-off thing. Here are the amount of boxes. You don't know where you're going to get. Here you go. And that's how I started my mystery boxes. They were called mystery boxes for a couple of months. And then I was like, um, my entire success on here is sharing what it looks like. Here's how it's made. Here's how it wears. And then people get excited and then they go buy it. So keeping it a secret like was not helping me. <laughs> people were like, no, no, no I want to see it. And so I decided to not have them be mystery boxes, but just make even more perks if you subscribe. Because I am all about that recurring revenue. Like always, I will find any way I can to make that happen. And it serves a different kind of shopper. So my people who subscribe, it's about 50-50, but about half of them only get the box. They don't buy anything else ever. They don't look at my shop. They don't like anything. They don't engage, but they're like, have not canceled their subscription. But then there's other people who are still buying like every single restock. They'll still get something and they get their box. So it's a fun mix of customers that serves them in a different way. But I would love to hear from you guys since mystery boxes isn't something that's always available. Did you like it? Do you not like it? Mia, we'll start with you. I have done one mystery box, but it changed my business. I don't know why or how really, but I loved it so much because I wasn't sitting there like making stuff. I was, will this photograph well? Will people buy this? Am I making too much of it? And I was really small at the time. I think I had like 3,000 followers or something. I still remember it was in June or July. It was just the best time. And it sparked every bit of creativity that I didn't know that I was missing because it was like a guaranteed sale. So there was a point I remember in May where I could make anything, anything, the ugliest stuff. I made bacon and egg earrings because I wanted to. And everything sold out everything and so at that point I felt like I had complete creative freedom because I knew that it would sell I'm not like that anymore um I don't know that it's gonna sell out the mystery box has like unleashed this new creative side of me that I was like they can't say no they're non-returnable I don't care if you don't like them this is like my heart and soul coming out on this clay and I love every single one of them and they were I just looked at my yearly revenue yesterday and they were my highest my single highest earner of the entire year one mystery box sale that had two pairs of earrings in it was my highest earner for the entire year it changed everything it changed my mindset I loved it I don't know if I'll do it again but I really really loved it (laughs) high praise high praise high praise I don't know if I'll do it again (laughs) (laughs) I don't know we'll see There's a lot a lot more stuff you have going on. Rachel, how did your mystery box go? They started, when I first did them, I started it as, I need to get some of this inventory out of here and yeah. I just want it gone. And so the first ones were eight products for $30. Like it was awesome. <laughs> but I got rid of all the products and then it created this obsession with mystery boxes. People love them. And mine are always like a bundle they're typically a bundle of something at a discounted rate. So I did mm-hmm. holiday mystery boxes. We sometimes have issues where like mugs get sent to us. And for example, we had like 144 mugs sent to us. And there was, I don't, it looked like someone took a paintbrush on every single mug and like flicked it with white. So annoying. So we got those all replaced, but the paint would come off. So 
I was like, I have 144 mugs that I basically just got for free. I like need to move this inventory. And so that was like something that we'll do mystery boxes for. So I can give a huge discount because this is a hundred percent revenue. Yada, yada, yada. So those are often what I do for mystery boxes is to move inventory that I need to move. They're often hot, like seasonal products. And then sometimes I will do, which I'm probably going to try and do more this year, not necessarily discounted, but still mystery because people love them. And I -hmm. always get tons of good feedback and they sell out. I think like you guys have both said, they just like sell really fast. I really like doing them as well. I'm trying to figure out some sort of subscription thing for me as well. It's a little bit harder because it's not handmade because I'm sure you guys know, like you typically gain a few and lose a few and it's hard to know the exact number that you need until like the week before you need to send them out. Yeah. And then that for me is like, okay, I need to order that many and you can't necessarily order like 83. You have to order (laughs) factors of 24. And then if you have extra, then you still want to sell them. So then it defeats the purpose of the subscription exclusivity. So it's tricky for me. I haven't quite figured out how to do it. I did do a subscription box in 2018 and it didn't really work well for me. I just didn't get a ton of subscribers. And so then I was buying twice as much that I needed and then I needed to sell them. So then I was doing yeah. the mystery boxes and people were buying those. Yeah. And I was like, this is defeating the subscription. Yeah. So yeah. I'm trying to be, yeah. I feel like it is a little bit easier for handmade to do yeah. subscriptions because you can make a very it's odd number. Yeah, right. The thing that's worked for me, because sometimes I've made for my first couple, I would just like make a batch. I'm like, well, I hope I sell this, this many subscriptions or this many people buying the boxes. And I might have like one or two extra. And I've brought literally just the one or two extra that I've had back into a restock and have been like, these were only available to subscribers, you can get them now. And there's literally only two left and I've they've sold. And so they're if you wait though, like I didn't do it the next month, I waited like three or four months later. So I don't know if you want to hold inventory that long of something. Yeah, but... we could. We could. I'm trying, that's like one of my goals for this year is to try and figure out some sort of recurring revenue, maybe mm-hmm. monthly. I know Abby's husband, Jared, has lots of ideas that we've DM'd about a little yeah. bit here and there. To even do like a coffee related thing would be fun. I don't know. I got to like brainstorm it. I feel like I'm still kind of just surviving. Like I'm keeping the business going right now and I don't have a ton of space to like think of new things. I kind of just do what works right now, but that's something mm-hmm. I'm working on. Yeah. I get to brainstorm that all day, but <laughs> well, this- I'm terrified of subscription boxes. Like really? you are? Why? My biggest fear. And this is why I get messages every day, like start a Patreon, start a writing network. My biggest fear is that I will run out of ideas. Mm. And so for a subscription box or for like any mystery box I've ever had, I've done. And I forgot that I did them. I completely forgot that I did them for (laughs) um, Small Business Saturday like two months ago. But any mystery box, any subscription terrifies me because I'm afraid that my brain will not be able to produce an idea biggest fear and for subscription boxes I'm always afraid like I'll run out of ideas and I will have to be like sorry here's a refund I had no good ideas and for like Patreon or Mighty Network I'll run out of tutorials so that's why I've never started one I just did one for basically free because I'm afraid I won't know what to do yeah yours is literally free (laughs) (laughs) so this is mostly because I'm curious I don't know I'm sure it's helpful to other people, but one of the things that I've just been 
fascinated by. I could literally work in a closet, which is actually my plan. I'm planning to move my office to like this. I mean, literally a closet. And it's an actual closet. (laughs) But y'all need so much GD space. I just (laughs) like there is. It's crazy to me how much a product-based business can take over not just your life, but like your whole house, every nook and cranny, (laughs) and whatever. I watched Rachel end up buying a home that included like. I would have, it's, it seems like a she shed to me, but I haven't seen it. It's a barn? <laughs> I don't, it's this barn. It left the garage and then the previous owner turned it in her, into her art studio. Oh. And then we turned it into you know, like a warehouse, basically. Yeah. How do you guys, Mia lives in an apartment. Should I remind everyone? Wait, a, an apartment? Okay, an so apartment. here's what I don't understand. I can kind of wrap my head around the like clay and the boxes getting out of hand with Rachel, all the shipping stuff and the mugs just take up a ton of space. Mugs and sweatshirts. That's a lot. (laughs) But Mia, you keep buying more 3D printers. (laughs) (laughs) They have their own room. So it's not in my studio. So we got an apartment that was way too big for us because and this was our master bedroom, like what I'm in right now. And now it's like a, a big studio and a walk-in closet full of clay storage. But we moved but into our so tiny loud? bedroom. Isn't your 3D printing room? So I had to close the door before I started, but it's over in the other room. And it <laughs> it's very loud. It's just like a, it sounds like a robot. But it stays in there. It never, like, I don't hear it anywhere else. And that's Bailey's studio. So he has his sectional couch in there, his little nerd area, and then all the 3D printers. Nerd so area. I have my studio, he has his studio, and then we have our bedroom. And the whole house, which this has been an issue. I've been deciding if I should get an actual studio because I have no work-life balance. Like, I'll be mm-hmm. in here at 6 a.m. and then I may be in here at 3 a.m. And yeah. all day, in and out. And I have no balance at all. I have no concept of, like, working and not working. So that's a big problem, but I like it for now. I really like it. Yeah. That's why I moved my office upstairs because it was downstairs where no door was and it was right off our living room and it was just a constant, I'll do it while the pot is boiling on the stove and I'll do this Mm -hmm. over here. Now I have to walk up a whole flight of stairs and I am lazy. And so I'm not doing that. So it's a very, it's a lot easier. Yeah. It's crazy how much product-based businesses take up. There's so much you don't think about that takes up so much room. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and how have you kind of scaled, Rachel, like with space? I wouldn't even know how much space you need. And then it changes all the time. And then it keeps Mm -hmm. growing. Like, are you going to grow out of your garage thing? I mean, hopefully, right? Hopefully. I mean, I love having it in the house for the fact of like, I don't have to leave. But I do love what you guys are talking about. Like ours, I have to exit my house and to put shoes on and like go unlock a door. And that really helps because I'm kind of the same way. I'm like, oh, I'll do that later. (laughs) I kind of want to go out there and do that. But a lot of the work that I do is actually on my computer. I have people that work for me that do all the packaging. So I don't always have to be in the studio. So that also doesn't, my computer is inside. But anyways, (laughs) I don't know. We we are definitely like moving things around a lot where we can accommodate more space. Right now, not anyone listening can see, but like those are all new boxes that are just sitting there because we don't have room for them on the shelves right now. Yeah. So it's a constant. Yeah, I see Mia. You've got stuff too. So 
it's a constant and i like i literally pay people to like come and package orders and then she'll spend two hours which is fine i'm fine paying her for it it is like a uh, like a part-time job to keep the studio organized yeah and products restocked it's a huge part of the job which is like it's just i feel like i have been in growth for like four three years now yeah. and I like I don't know if we'll ever get to a spot where it's like okay we're good we've got this yeah. figured out no. yeah no, I think you constantly have to refigure out new systems and mm-hmm. space and reorganizing and all of that and I just <laughs> oh poor poor plant <laughs> I just it's I don't know I feel for you guys. I obviously don't go through the same stuff, but if it makes you feel any better, I have project creep all the time. And <laughs> I decided to make my other business, my literal life. Do I finish this project? This is also where I live. That is also going to make me money by posting on the, I'm like, I like the idea of being able to close the door. I literally live in my project. I could never have a lifestyle brand ever. I don't want that. I have no desire because it's hard enough for me to separate making shit. (laughs) So... Well, it's hard yeah, to at this point separate my like marriage from my <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Anyway, yeah, I could go on a tangent all day with this, but let's run into talk strategy to me. And I know we initially said we were going to talk about stocking, but I just feel like this turned into this whole round table, and it was awesome. Which I love. If you could give some advice, your top two or three tips for just helping product-based businesses gain the confidence they need, maybe focus on a sellout model, just literally anything. Well, and what I want before you start, I want two tips. But then the third thing that I want you to share is like something new strategy wise that you're implementing this year for your business. So Rachel, let's start with you. Oh, gosh. We're ready. Mia, Rachel. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll go. My two tips that I often teach people are, which I even mentioned this, but I'll dive into a little bit more, is that you are responsible to teach your customer. Yes. So if you want to have a sellout model, you need to teach your customer how to do that. And I am not above, and maybe you guys can disagree with me, I am not above really small restocks to start that training process. You can put 10 items in and they sell out in 10 minutes and you can be like, oh my gosh, my product sold out in 10 minutes. Yeah, and you need to know that you only put like that is a strategy that I implemented to try yep. to kickstart that mindset, and it worked. It apparently has worked for all of us. So mm-hmm. I am not above that. So I would say do small restocks if you need. To, I still to do a surprise that. tiny restock just for funsies. Yeah, <laughs> it's there's nothing wrong with that. I like I said, like my these are the days mugs. They're always a small restock mm-hmm. for many reasons, but that's part of it. And then another tip is I would, if you're wanting to like really create this type of system for your shop, I would talk about it all the time. So I think people forget that like, and I even forget this one, like something I talked about in Instagram stories yesterday, people will watch it today and they didn't watch my story yesterday. I tell people like, until you start feeling like you're being annoying because you're saying the same thing over and over again, that's when you're finally starting to say it enough because people don't have the sound on. People don't read the captions. People don't get every email. People don't open every email. So whatever you're wanting your customers to understand and learn about your business and about how they should purchase from you, you need to say it 
forever and always for like a long time for me like a year I feel like it mm-hmm. took to really ingrain that into people and now I have customers who are die hard mm-hmm. lose their minds get the products the minute they go live yeah just you have to like talk about it all the time and you have to feel like you're being annoying you cannot make one post in March and expect people to remember that in April not only mm-hmm. like hear it but remember it because they do not live inside your business. They have their own life and their own work and their own families and their own meal planning that they are not paying attention to enough to know the ins and outs of your business. So you have to really bug them and remind them all the time. Yep. I love that. Okay. What's the strategy thing that you're going to try differently this year? I am going to try, I'm trying to figure out, I mean, part of it is like a recurring revenue system. So I'm trying to figure that out. I don't necessarily know if that's a strategy, but I am going to try having more products in stock year round to see how that goes, which I've already do that a little bit, but to try and do maybe a little bit more. And kind of what we're talking about is like buy more products, Mm -hmm. like more quantity and see how that works out. Maybe not listing them all at once. So to continue that, but then I don't have to put them on pre-order. I'm kind of considering that. And another thing I'm doing, which isn't really strategy, but having two inventories. So one for like wholesale and then one for the shop, which is not what we've talked about at all today, but that's something that I'm trying to think about if we're going to have that strategy of like literally two inventories of the same products, if that's going to be a smart decision. Yeah. I can see that working. Oof. Wholesale is a whole other conversation. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Two strategies for listeners to do. And then one that you're implementing this year. So my number one thing that I never thought would make much of a difference is if your primary selling platform, you're not selling platform, but driving to your website, to your selling platform, mine is Instagram. And so use Instagram countdowns and post them every day up until your restock. I never knew that they made such a difference until I did a restock without countdowns. And then I was like, where is everyone? And then I did a restock. I announced it one week before and then I posted it every single day. And I saw that like thousands of people had signed up and I could see on my website at six o'clock, not that many people were on there. And I'm writing this down. (laughs) (laughs) At six o'clock, not that many people were on there because that's them setting their own reminders, them remembering, which they're not going to do. Everybody has a lot. And then about 601, it would be like an influx of so many people. And then there's a lot of times the Instagram countdown doesn't work. And if someone wanted to be there and their Instagram countdown doesn't work, then they're going to message me, which raises my engagement. They're going to message me and say like, oh my gosh, mine never went off. Like next time I have to make my own, I have to set my own alarm. And that's amazing to me that I have space in someone's phone. The people who (laughs) send me screenshots (laughs) of their calendar and I'm on there. I'm like, oh my God. Yes. And then people share. I don't know why I've had so many people share my countdown to their stories. And so that's bringing in a new audience. It's just been so cool to see like how much countdowns matter. My goal, which we've talked about before, I have like a call to action map and my maps for everything, my map for Facebook, my map for TikTok, my map for everything goes to my Instagram because I'm confident in my ability to sell on Instagram. TikTok, anything else does not have countdown features. I've never seen a 
a remind me countdown feature that they can easily hit remind me on other than like getting off of Instagram, going to their calendar, setting up an alarm on that day. So countdowns have changed my business so much. And then exclusivity. And like we've talked about it before, the scarcity model, exclusivity. And we were talking about Nugget and the things that sell out that have like a cult following. They have a cult following because they sell out. They don't sell out because they have a cult following, which is weird. And it's really weird to me. It becomes a status symbol that you have one. Like who cares about a couch? Nobody ever cared about a couch until it started selling out, until it started becoming a symbol. Creating a scarcity model, even I'm so for uploading 10 and saying you sold out in one minute. I remember that's how I started my business. I didn't know anything about strategy. I didn't know anything. And I would make one of each pair. And I remember I never said that. I was like, oh my gosh, these sold out in 30 seconds. Y'all are crazy. And it worked. (laughs) It worked so well. I definitely... I'm all for that. We talk about a little bit of manipulation is it's not bad. It's strategy. And then the thing that I'm implementing this year is just basics. And then I want to learn how to cater to the two types of shoppers instead of the one type of shopper that I've been catering to for the entire year my business has existed. So catering to both types of shoppers while also creating, which is going to be a balance, a scarcity mindset and exclusivity and stuff like that because even though i'm the second type of shopper i still need scarcity because if there's not scarcity then i'm just gonna think it's always there right Right. just a reminder for all y'all yeah hype (laughs) yeah i love that well rachel mia thank you so much for being on the show and for letting us kind of pick your brains about all this stuff if you want to give our listeners all your deets on where they can buy from you, learn from you, hang out with you, all that good stuff. Rachel, you want to go first? I spend most of my time on Instagram. That's where you'll probably get the most info about the shop. And so my business is my first and middle name, Rachel Aline. My Instagram is Rachel underscore A-L-L-E-N-E. And there you can pretty much find everything in my bio links. I have a Facebook group, which I always post exclusive discounts. And then my email list is the best place to be. And I'm not just saying that. Like you do get more discounts. You do get more sneak peeks. The people on the email list only get a discount on launch days. Nobody else gets a discount. So that's where you can find everything. The link in my Instagram. And it's Rachel underscore Aline. Awesome. And Mia? I primarily do everything on Instagram. And it's just at Honeybee Clay and that's it. And then every other platform is at Honeybee Clay and you will see me oversharing and treating it like it's my personal account because that's what I like to do. I'd be happy to see you there. Yay. Thank you guys so much for being here. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. 
You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.